welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. All right, what, what a weekend. I want to talk to you this weekend about being people of honor. Uh, the word honor means to esteem as highly valuable. And I was raised by Ron and Bonnie Cunningham. I grew up outside of Chicago. I was born in Naperville, Illinois, raised in Oswego, Illinois. And my mom would walk into my room every morning. She was a morning person. Can I see all the mom morning people? Mm. Non-morning people, raise your hand. Let me just see the... (laughs) And you're at an early service. Good for you. It's just because of the Vikings. I know why you're here. (laughs) My mom was a morning person, and she would walk in to my room almost every morning, grab the curtains. (laughs) He knows what's coming. You had this mom. So there's more than one. Uh, she would throw the curtains open while singing, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, rise and shine. And it's hard for me to worship at 6 a.m. That was my mom. What was her other song? This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let me just explain something to the parents who don't do that every morning. Your teenagers want you to do that. Looking, I'm looking at some, I'm going, I don't know, I don't want that. Oh, you want it. Oh yeah, go like this to me right now. I'd say white shirt, I want this right here. (laughs) I can't wait to hear what happens tomorrow at your home. They're gonna act like they don't want it, but they want it. My mom would sing to me almost every morning because she was up very early and with the Lord long before we would wake up. And then my mom understood, and still to this day, at almost 70, understands honor. She would speak words of high value over me and over my brother. She would speak words of honor over us and made sure we heard that before we left the house, because why? She was sending us into the world. And she knew that we weren't going to experience a lot of honor out there. She would speak a blessing over us. And one of the last things she would say, because I struggled, especially through the junior high years, I was a little bit of a chubby kid, and she would send me, she let me dress myself, and somehow I thought in seventh grade it would be cool to go to junior high, chubby little kid dressed like Don Johnson from Miami Vice. (laughs) Black shirt, white sport coat, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Not a real great look on me, not a real great look on me. But my mom would say this, and I just, I can hear at the bottom of the stairs where our phone was. Remember when we used to have a phone attached somewhere and sitting somewhere? Mom would yell up the stairs, or if I was going out the door first, she would yell to me before I went out the door these simple words, don't let the turkeys get you down. After singing to me and speaking a blessing over me, her last words, don't let the turkeys get you down. That was my mom's way of saying, remember everything I just said to you because there's your value. Not what people are gonna say about you, not what they're gonna call you. That 
is your value. My mom used to tell my brother and I, and I still to this day have asked her, why did you say that all the time? She would make sure that we knew how much she loved us. And so she would tell my brother and I, uh, I will follow you two to prison. I would always say, mom, I don't know what you think we're doing, what we're gonna do, but that was just her way of saying, there's nothing you can do to make me love you more and there's nothing you can do to make me love you less. She just understood it. And to this day, whenever I talk about honor, like if my mom were in this service right now, she'd be bawling on the front row because that's what honor does. Honor, esteeming people is highly valuable. And my prayer for River Valley is that every home in here would be a home of honor. Children honoring parents, moms and dads honoring children, husbands honoring wives, wives honoring husbands. And then how about this? Don't forget grandma and grandpa honoring those who have gone before us. I believe one of the greatest tragedies though when it comes to honor is that oftentimes we wait for a funeral to share these words of high value. And can I just encourage you, don't wait for a funeral. Don't wait for someone you love to die before you write down words. I think we refer to that as a eulogy. Don't wait for that day to share those words. I sit at funerals, obviously, often as a pastor. And I sit on the front row thinking to myself, as I hear beautiful words, words of high value spoken over someone, I think to myself, oh, I hope, I hope this is not the first time this has been said. I hope this person heard it while they were with them. One of life's greatest tragedies is waiting for a loved one's funeral to speak words of high value over them. Don't wait, say it now. That's my challenge to you today. Say it now. Proverbs 22 verse one says, a good name is more desirable than great riches. And that's what we do when we gather Uh, at a house of mourning or at a funeral, at a celebration service of life, we're speaking about someone's name. It's to be esteemed. Uh, That is better than silver or gold. And when we honor, I I just, for the first time, gave my mom an honor list at her 64th birthday. Talk about that more at the end of this message. But as we gave her that honor list, as we esteemed her, I asked everybody, bring a list of all the reasons why Pamabani is highly valuable. A woman who has honored her family her entire life. Let's do this for her. And I'll never forget us just pulling the list out at the end of the meal, getting ready to share it before dessert. My mom goes, "Mm." (laughs) you know, I hate it when you do this. Just the idea of being honored before we even spoke the words for her, far more worth than silver or gold than great riches. This is actually the life verse of Chick-fil-A founder, Truett Cathy. Raise your hand if you've been to a Chick-fil-A. The Lord's chicken. (sighs) Now watch this. There's always some in every room. Raise your hand if you've never been to a Chick-fil-A. I feel like a missionary. I am here to declare for you the good news of Chick-fil-A. And some of you are like, let's go after this. Sorry. (laughs) Not today. Not today. And then we're, oh, Chick-fil-A. But Truett, his desire was 
When you hear the name Chick-fil-A, I've got to remind everybody, it's fried chicken. It's good. But he wanted you to hear that name and think, whoo, great customer service. He wanted you to hear that name and go, when I walk in there, a 17-year-old, and I ask a 17-year-old for a refill, he's going to respond with, that will be my pleasure. He wanted that true of his name, of his family's name, greater than riches. When you get to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, I want to spend a little bit of time there today because this is the passage I start every funeral out with. And if you're new to River Valley, welcome. We're going to talk about a funeral a little bit. We're here to pick you up this weekend. But these four verses I've meditated on for the past 15 years. And I start every, every funeral out with this. A good name is better than fine perfume. So it's not only more desirable than great riches, but it's better than fine perfume. And the day of death better than the day of birth. Why is the day of death better than the day of birth? Well, verse two says, it is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone and the living should take this to heart. When you go to a funeral, it begins to change you. A funeral is a recalibrating event. It it prioritizes life for us. It gets us asking all the right questions. I've sat at the funeral of a Sid's baby when my children were very small. And right before I got up to preach, I started to think, ah, yesterday I got on my kids for splashing around and making a mess in the, in the bathtub. Come on, Ted. No. That, see, that's what happens at a funeral. You start thinking, even the, not just the last few days, but over your life, and you realize This person in this casket or today in this urn, okay, this is going to be me one day. Death is the destiny of everyone. It's going to be me. And so what is my day going to look like? What does my name represent? You you begin asking all sorts of questions. And I'm sitting there going, I got on my kids for splashing around in the bathtub. When I get home today, I'm going to teach them how to use the toilet as a diving board into the bathtub. (laughs) That's what a house of mourning should do for you. When you go to the funeral of a 38-year-old mom who loses the fight to breast cancer, you should be thinking about your mom. You should be thinking about your wife. You should be thinking about how am I loving people? Am I saying what I need to say now? And I don't want to wait for this day right here to come before I speak these words. I'm going to say it now. When I leave this house of mourning, I'm going out into the car and I'm going to start making some phone calls. I don't rush out of the house of mourning. And can I tell you every September, around September 11th, I purposefully slow my life down. I I watch almost every special that comes on the television screen. Because I don't know if you remember this back in 2001. Do you remember 9-11? Do you remember the house of mourning every single American stepped into? Do you remember what America was like on September 12th? We were different. The stuff we were fighting about on September 9th and 10th, we weren't even talking about. Why? Didn't matter. Because we were in the house of mourning. I was pastoring 
at that time still in Branson, Missouri. I've been there 18 years. Lots of shows in Branson, over 100 shows. Many of them are comedy shows. Our town was in a different place, and my friends who were comedians would walk out and be like, you know what, the show's gonna be different tonight. This was a week, two weeks, even three weeks after the events of 9-11, and, and they would say, why? Because there's a season for laughing, but now we're in the season of mourning. We're in the house of mourning, and this is changing us. We don't feel like telling a bunch of jokes. You don't feel like laughing. The scripture says, goes on in Ecclesiastes, frustration is better than laughter. As a guy who enjoys to laugh and enjoys laughing, laughter's not bad. It has its purpose. The scripture says it's medicine. It is like therapy, okay? But frustration is good for the heart. You don't ever leave a party. And, and I do a lot of comedy shows. You don't ever leave a comedy show going, man, I'm never gonna be the same person again. It's not the purpose of a comedy show. The purpose of a comedy show is a little break from the grind of life and to enjoy one another. But a sad face is good for the heart because you start asking the right questions. Don't rush mourning. Some of you are dealing with grief right now. Can I encourage you with a couple things? There's no direct path through grief. There's no direct path. There's no exact timeline. Can I encourage this? I think as the church, we sometimes struggle. We're supposed to rejoice with those who are rejoicing and mourn with those who are mourning. We gotta quit rushing people through grief. We gotta quit telling them it's time to get over this. Or even telling people who have gone through it and seem to be doing well, you didn't mourn enough. We need to let people grieve as they grieve because everyone grieves in different ways. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. You should be learning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. Uh, recently, I worked with a family who lost a child to suicide. And I'll never forget, as I worked with that family and I went into the house of mourning with them, I came out and I went to a staff meeting at church. And in the staff meeting, the first item they were discussing, because we had just kicked off Bible studies for the season, they were discussing that there were people in the church complaining uh, about the price being charged for childcare of the Bible studies. I think it was something like $3.50 a time. And we deal with that in Branson. I know River Valley doesn't deal with complaining people. <laughs> but I, I, I couldn't even get into the conversation. When it finally got to me and they asked me, Ted, what's your opinion? I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, it doesn't matter. And they're like, wow, this guy's real strong on this. Why? Well, I had just been in the house of mourning. And when you're in the house of mourning, the weightiness and the heaviness far more important than the pettiness. And some of you are dealing with pettiness today. But let me tell you, if you begin serving and mourning with those who are mourning and you go into the house of mourning with someone else, the pettiness in your life is going to fall away. The things you think are important are not that important. Ecclesiastes 9, 4 through 6 says, anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. And that day they did not domesticate dogs. They were street dwellers. But the lion was the esteemed beast. So it's better to be alive. This is, if you're breathing, which everyone in here is, okay, you have hope. You have hope, you can still change. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward. Even their name is forgotten. We go to great lengths to try to remember the names of people. We have names on buildings, names on streets. You drive down those streets, you go into those buildings and you don't have a clue who they are. 
Names are forgotten. It's a good lesson for us to remember. It's what we do for Christ that lasts. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. So let's talk about what it means to honor people and not not wait. Say it now. Don't wait for the day of death to speak words of high value. One of the best ways to teach your children to honor God, others, and you, one of the best ways to esteem God as highly valuable, others, and you, is to honor each other. Let us model this for the next generation. Where do we get honor? It comes from Genesis 127, and it's the Imago Dei, the image of God in man. So God created mankind in his own image, the image of God. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The theological term is the Imago Dei. And the image of God is in every single person in here, and it's in every single person in your family, and it's in every single person you will meet. And it's the image of God and man that gives us automatic intrinsic value. You are valuable. Honor sees the immense value of a person created in the image of God. This is why Jesus honored children. I I think sometimes we just pass over that. We see these pictures of Jesus sitting on a rock. I always love it. He's inviting the children unto him. But the scripture says he grew indignant when the disciples kept the children from getting to him. I, I, and I go in Christian bookstores and I see Jesus on the rock. A better picture would be him growing indignant because he wanted to bless the children. He honored the children. He esteemed the children as highly valuable. And in that day, childhood was an insignificant season of life. Children were considered insignificant. And by Jesus welcoming them and blessing them, he was honoring them because these children are created in the image of God. And they have automatic intrinsic value. This is why I am so passionate about life in the womb. Every unborn child bears the image of God and has value. We're called to honor parents, authorities, church leaders. Through God's creation, you are an image bearer. Okay, this is very important to understand theologically. Through faith in God's son, you are a child of God. The image of God in man has been debated by theologians for centuries. And one of the best ways I've ever heard it described is what happened with the fall? Genesis 3, you quote the image of God in chapter one, but what about when sin entered the picture? Sin did not remove the image of God in man. Sin marred the image of God in man, but did not remove it. But through faith in God's son, you can be a child of God. But every person is an image bearer and it's why you and I are called to honor people, all people, everyone. And in our political climate, can we learn this? Can we learn this? We used to turn on the news to find out what was going on. Now we turn on the news to find out what should I be mad about today? We've got to get back to learning how to value people. We tend to value people based on their age, their status, their income, their looks, their sexual orientation, their race, their nationality, their political party, their behavior, their abilities, their disabilities, their intelligence, and their kindness. But that is not how we are called to value people. 
We're called to esteem people as highly valuable because they bear the image of God. And if I can speak to the one in here right now who's walking around in your, and in your life, you, you have this, this script that keeps playing in your mind and you believe you are worthless. If you hear only one thing today, hear this. You are created in the image of God and you have value. I want you to hear this. And I, I, was, I just finished my notes the other day when a lady came to me and told me, her boyfriend had many other girlfriends and, and all this mess going on, and she just was at the lowest of lows. And I, I grabbed this off the printer. She told me this in the office, and I go, can I read something that I just put down on paper? And she said, what's that? And I said, I'm going to read you all four lines. How people look at you does not determine your value. What people say about you does not determine your value. How people treat you does not determine your value. When people walk away from you, that does nothing to determine your value. God determines your value. When I honor you, I'm just recognizing that value. This is so important to understand. Honor recognizes value. It does not set value. My father-in-law is a Norwegian from Minnesota. You'll betcha. He's got one of the greatest ways to respond to people he disagrees with, and it happens at our family table. We'll be gathered for Christmas or Thanksgiving, and something political, hot button will come up. Something about the church will come up, something real sensitive. And if he disagrees with something you say, say, this is all he does. He looks up from his plate and says, wrong! (laughs) That is so brilliant. I waste a lot of words in arguments. I don't know about you. <laughs> I'm like, I go on and on, but he doesn't follow it up. No talking points, no commentary, just wrong. I do that now. I've given our church permission because we all, we have a way for you to agree with what I'm saying. Amen. That's right. Preach. Woo! But we've never given the church something to say when you disagree. So if you disagree with anything I say over the next few minutes, just simply yell up, wrong. <laughs> now that only applies to me, the guest speaker that's here uh, this weekend. <laughs> There's nothing I enjoy doing more in counseling than when I hear someone tell me they're worthless or they start to, to speak of, of having no value or lesser value. I love now to look at them and say, wrong. You were created in the image of God. You're an image bearer and you have value. Honor sees people as personally autographed by God. My mentor of over 15 years, Dr. Gary Smalley, he went home to be with the Lord about three and a half years ago. Honor was the one message he wanted to leave with those that he mentored and said, you can teach and preach on a lot of stuff, but but please make honor a part of what you do because his whole ministry over 40 years was built on esteeming people as highly valuable. And if you were ever in Gary's presence, you felt highly valued. He says, when we honor someone, we give that person a highly respected position in our lives. Honor goes hand in glove with love, a verb whose very definition is doing worthwhile things for someone who is valuable to us. We're called to honor. And in the few moments that we have remaining, I just want to give you a couple practical ways to do that. Uh, one very practical way to do that is what uh, Gary passed on to me years ago. It's called an honor list. 
I want to just give you three practical things. I want you to write it down. Not write down what I'm saying. I'm actually saying write it down. Write, 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 write it down. Gift it and speak it. Write it, gift it, and speak it. Because when I first heard about this list, Gary had four pages in his office, much like this. It was just a bulleted list of all the reasons why Norma Smalley was highly valuable. And I asked him about it one day. I go, Gary, tell me about this list. And he said, it's all the reasons why Norma's highly valuable. It's the decisions that I've made because confirmation bias says we make decisions and then we look for the evidence to back it up. So he said, I've made the decision. Norma's valuable. These are all the reasons why. And when we get in a fight, I come in here and I remind myself of her value, the decisions I've made. I don't pick up the list after a fight and look at it and I'm not like... It's not the time for editing. It's the time to be reminded. And he said, I need you to do this for Amy. And I do, this is her list. This is my list for Amy Cunningham. All the reasons why I love Amy and all the reasons why she's highly valuable. I tell her, and I, I, I can't even give you all of them, but I'd love to. But I said, I love the list that you have to keep our family organized. I love the fact that you don't have a people-pleasing gene. I mean, she doesn't. She just doesn't care what people think. It's amazing. Sometimes I'm like, shouldn't we care a little bit? Just like a little bit? No. This is who we are and who we're called to. She's a very confident woman. You do not strive to meet the nonstop and at times excessive expectations that people place on you. I actually envy this about you. I love that you prioritize our marriage and you've eradicated the kid-centered home. I love your commitment to Christ. You're sensitive to the Lord's leadership in your life. When I see you reading your Bible in the morning while sipping your coffee, that is when you look your best. And now I am married to as a woman who is doing for our children what my mom did for me. I love it when you say, I don't want anything to eat. I'll just take a bite of yours. I'm more than willing to buy you your own entree or dessert. (laughs) But I love that you want to order with me and share with me. I love your spontaneity. With two to three days notice, you cut loose and go with the flow. (laughs) I love your equilibrium. You know when the house is set at 70.5 degrees. And then you'll ask, did you change the thermostat? My answer is always the same. I haven't touched the thermostat in 17 years. I love it when you kick off the bottom corner of the sheets to expose your left foot. Then I know you're at your perfect temperature. I love how you protect me around hot things. You're constantly jumping in between me and the hot curling iron. She does this almost every morning. Julia, watch out! I'm like, babe, when's the last time I walked in here and grabbed the curling iron? Ah! Yeah, I've never done it. Can I encourage you? You know, I brought a bunch of these cards. You're going to go stand at an aisle for, for, for birthdays, for graduations, for a visit to grandma's house, for a 25th wedding anniversary or 50th wedding anniversary, don't, you don't need to get a card because you wrote it down and now you're going to gift it. And let me tell you, why don't you give the person that hey, it was just celebrated 25 years of marriage, 25 reasons why their marriage has inspired you, the reason why they're highly valued in your life. 
Give the graduate 18 reasons why they're valued, why God loves them. Your 13 year old, we do this with our kids. We don't give them birthday cards anymore, whatever year they are. So Corinne just turned 16. She gets 16 reasons why she is highly valued in the Cunningham family. Can I give you one even more? So you write it, you gift it, but then you say it. You wanna, you wanna leave a long lasting impression upon your children. Speak words of high value about your husband or your wife in front of your children. Read the list to them on a birthday in front of family and friends. The next time you go to grandma's house, pull out a list of all the reasons why grandma or grandpa is highly valuable. Read it to your parents. Let your children see you, an adult child, honor your parents. Show them how it's done. Don't demand it. Show them. Show them how you esteem people as highly valuable. And I am so grateful that I get to pastor in Branson, Missouri. Uh, Branson, Missouri, I don't think there's a city in the nation that honors veterans more than Branson, Missouri. And I love walking up to a table at Cracker Barrel. Anybody here not eat at Cracker Barrel? Can I see your hands? You're kidding me. Do you ever go out? You've not been to Chick-fil-A or Cracker Barrel. Man, could we, could you come to the altar for <laughs> prayer after this? But I love, she's a first time guest. I always love welcoming the first time guest. <laughs> but I, I love going up to a table at Cracker Barrel where I see two World War II veterans. You can tell they serve together because they're wearing the same hat with the same battleship or the same battalion. I'm telling you, it does something to me because something we can learn from that generation is duty, loyalty, sacrifice, honor, and commitment. Would you help me thank all of the veterans in the room? Now I feel like I've been preaching to the choir because you know how to honor. Your, your impulse to stand and applaud like that shows me you know how to esteem people as highly valuable. Would you please take that into every single one of your relationships? This week when people want to get you all riled up about immigration or citizenship, will you be reminded that every single person that crosses our borders, whether legally or illegally, are created in the image of God. And I didn't make a political statement right there. I made a statement of value. I didn't share with you my opinion on immigration. And some of you had a hard time clapping at that. And I'm just going to ask that the Holy Spirit call you by name on that, that you would see every single human being as created in the image of God. This is probably my last time at River Valley. Uh, I don't know why I ended with that, but I'm gonna go back to Cracker Barrel for a quick second. We can all be comforted at Cracker Barrel. We truly can, okay? We can be comforted at Cracker Barrel. 
But I, I love to bring my kids up to the table of those veterans and say, thank you. Thank you for serving our nation. When you were just boys, probably 16, 17, 18 years old, you traveled halfway across the globe for us to literally save this world for us. Thank you. And then I love to grab that bill off their table and pay for their meal. You're like, man, this guy's really generous. Four people at Cracker Barrel in their 90s, like $8.32. It's not a big deal. Honor esteems people as highly valuable and sees them as personally autographed by God. Don't wait for a funeral. Speak it to those you love. Speak it to those you meet. Speak it to those you invite to this church. Speak it over them. The Imago Dei, the image of God in man. Would you pray with me? Father, we are created in the image of God and we have automatic intrinsic value. Sin entering the world marred that image. But because of Jesus and our faith in Jesus, we are complete, we are whole. We are declared righteous. I pray for the one right now who has never placed faith in Jesus that today they would declare with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that he has been raised from the dead by faith alone in Christ alone that they would be saved. May we leave here today sons and daughters, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters known as a home of honor a home where we esteem one another as highly valuable. And it's in the name of Jesus and it's in the authority of that name and through the power of his blood that we pray it. And everyone agreed and said, thank you River Valley for allowing me to be here.